Blog Talk Radio. Right, that's the strong coffee intro music from our uh, our gift bag of uh, ripped off cheesy intro music that we don't pay a cent <laughs> for. So anyway, uh, strong coffee, and, and tonight hopefully will be strong coffee. We we're supposed to have four people on this call, but right now, oh, here's. Hang on one second. We got music playing again. Stop it. That's normal. You can't stop. You can't it's, stop the phone call. Block Talk Radio, as reliable as always, William. This should be this should be producing <laughs> severe flashbacks for you. Who's on with two one four area code? Crystal. Crystal. You got it. Hello. Um, I was waiting for you to show up. So <laughs> I I was just about to introduce our guests. So let me do that, and then we'll catch up with you, Crystal. So. As you may or may not know, our guest tonight is William Tincup, who is a former host for a, a, a long stint. Uh, and here's Robin coming in. Host and co-founder, yeah? Hey, Robin. Hey, you would think that we weren't in a pandemic and I was running all over town, and that was not the case. <laughs> right. I you, was you in guys, my kitchen. <laughs> you guys totally mm-hmm. screwed up the the witty banter, the music, the introduction mm-hmm. of William. It's all wrecked now, so we'll just have to talk for off it's, the top of our heads for the next hour. So. As, long as, <laughs> as long as the daiquiri shops are open, Robin, that's all I care about. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you and so our guest, as I said, is is William Tincup, <laughs> and our other we have three co-hosts tonight. I'm Michael, and we have Crystal Miller Lay and. Robin schooling with us, and we're we have a very unscripted show, which the opening sort of will we'll let you let you understand that, and we'll go from there. So, William, welcome back to Drive Through. It, it's great to have you Woo-hoo! back, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a few things. So, Robin, what's on your mind tonight? Um, I um. I'm I've I've really just been observing this week um really since this weekend that like Memorial Day was like I don't know how it was by all of you but here it was like the gates came wide open and everybody came rushing out as if we mm-hmm. hadn't just gone through this pandemic and or are still mm-hmm. going through it and it was it was just really bizarre um we went out to the river and stuff like that, but you know, driving around town, it was just, it was craziness. Yeah, and I think that's that's how this whole week has felt. Um, and Crystal, I think you guys are in the process of moving, if I if I noticed correctly <laughs> on social media. So that that in and of itself is enough to make your life miserable for a while. Right, it's like the best time to move ever. In the middle of a pandemic is totally when you want to move because movers are super <laughs> available, you guys. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, no doubt. And and William, um, for those that don't know you, there's the one or two listeners who might pick up on a download that don't know who you are. Let's open. Let's open with you telling folks who you are and what you're doing these days. 
Yeah. Um, the the doing these days is probably the easiest. Um, I, I work at the Recruiting Daily, which is basically kind of a content shop uh, for pretty much all things hiring. And um, we do we do events as well. Um, so like today we did a virtual event at about three thousand people there, and mm. it was just on. It was just training, so you know. Different from like an instance the four of us have spoken at and done bits and on the this is gonna open up your laptop, you know, trainers are gonna train you how to do something, you know, type of training. So fun, a different uh different type of event. Um and good for the community in general because it was complimentary. Uh, and at a time when recruiting oh, you know, we've all done recruiting, we've all been on that side and, and helped uh, on that side as well, the, you know, recruiters, sourcers, hiring managers, disproportionately affected uh, during a recession. So a lot of our friends, the four of us, the you know, all of us, you know, we all have friends that have been laid off or furloughed or, or their works, you know, going through a tough patch because hiring's down. So uh, it's a good it's a good time to train. And so it was a really cool audience, and we had eight great speakers, and we've already planned uh, and programmed the the June event. So good stuff. Cool. Um, so, Chris Paul, um, you, you haven't been on for a bit. You live in the same area as William. Um, you want to kind of we, – we, we have, literally have no questions teed up, so this is kind of like an AMA, <laughs> AWA, right. William thing, I guess. So. <laughs> I don't know. You, you got something you want to jump into first? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things that come to mind that have nothing to do with geography. But um, but I think the the first is, I, you know, I saw this post today by um, God. I'm going to butcher his last name, which is sad. Rob Drumagle, is that right? I don't know how to say his last name because I've never actually mm-hmm. heard it said. But um, but he was talking about hiring. I was kind of leading into what William said, and William, I do want to come back to your hiring initiative, but he's just talking about how the um, lower-paying, lower you know, entry-level roles aren't getting the volume that they used to. And, and he attributed that to the stimulus uh, because you get the extra $600 a week right now and, and unemployment and whatnot. And maybe that's it. I think there might be some other things, too, like the fact that there's 40, was it 40,000 or 100,000 contract, contract tracers? that are being hired where literally all you have to do is take a free six-week course to have stable employment for, what, two to three years? Um, no other prerequisites needed. Do you, do you feel like, I guess it's a couple of different questions, do you feel like, one, um, that the, the unemployment issue is keeping people from taking entry-level jobs? And, two, if that's the case, are we paying a living wage to begin with? which then bleeds into three, does that make things like these contact, contact tracer roles more appealing? What do yeah, you think? Uh, yeah, I, first of all, I think that it's, you know, to know Rob's politics, uh, you kind of already know what his, his line of thinking on it is because he's, he's, a, he's a proponent for, uh, and we'll just say it softly, well, he's a proponent for small government. And so anytime a, a government program kind of steps in where a market where should step in, uh, he would say that as, you know, as, as, as an affront to letting the market sort something out. 
Um, you know, I, I saw I saw a post uh, just the other day about I thought it was really funny, but both ironic and funny about the minimum wage that here we are depending our frontline workers. You know, most, if not all of them, uh, are not are not don't make fifteen hour fifteen dollars an hour. Don't and, and you know so that, that ain't even minimum wage. Like the argument has been to try and make it you know fifteen dollars an hour, which you know, some regions have. Uh, I think Seattle as a municipality has, and a few others. But the like we're depending on people that don't even make minimum wage. Like okay, let's just think. Let's just think about that for a moment. Okay, hard stop. But I, I think Rob's point is whenever you incentivize it's, it's all about incentivize and, and, and incentivizing behaviors in particular if you incentivize people uh, again you, know, you want to look at kind of the um, a darker way of looking at an incentive is let's say that you incentivize people to have children and you give them a thousand dollars you know per child on one level, at least intellectually, you could look at that and say, well, would they have naturally, would they normally, would they have that, or is, are we incentivizing people to have babies? Mm, okay, questionable, uh, arguable. Uh, with contact tracing, you're going to need a bunch of people to do it. And will they make more money? I mean, it's, it's like when you look at physics 101, you put a drop of water on a flat plate, and then you tilt the plate. The water always, it's, it's just, it's a truism, water always displaces to the lowest point, which is true of the employment and unemployment. So if you can get a contact tra- contracting tr- tracing job and it's higher pay- paying than your Grubhub or your Uber job or whatever job you're doing before, you're going to go do that job, especially if you're willing to deal with the risk. Which, again, if you're a food yeah. worker, you're already dealing with risk. So what's the difference? Go ahead. Well, well I'm sorry. I totally talked over you, and I apologize. Uh, but I would say it's minimized risk, right? Because when you're contact tracing, you're doing it yep. from home on your phone. Yep. So when you're grub humming it, like, you're out. Yeah. You know, the, the contact risk there is getting the food, getting into the person. Yep. And hoping that in between, and whoever you encounter in between, and hoping that all of those people are well. Like, I went to That's McDonald's right. today. They have food. And I'm not a huge McDonald's fan, but I'm moving, and there's, like, no food in our house. And I want a coffee. So I went to get coffee, and, like, you're supposed to be wearing masks. I mean, it's a big deal of all the stuff you're supposed to be doing. Like, so she was technically wearing a mask. It just happened to be right below her mouth. <laughs> and no. So her chin was super protective. It was more of a chin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So it was like, you know, and, and the, the smart house in me wanted to say something like, okay, like you're not, you're missing the point here. But then the other side of me is like, this person makes like eight bucks an hour yeah. and is probably battling what they might be perceived as feeling or thinking because you can't see anything but their eyes, right? And so unless you, you got a huge smile, like it's probably not reaching your eyes when you're working at McDonald's making seven, eight bucks an hour. It's not. So, so I have a, I have a, okay. a, 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 a analogy or a very similar story to I think what we're seeing with with those contract tracer jobs. 
<clears throat> so uh, when Katrina happened, um, mm-hmm. and I was working at Casino Number One at the time, mm-hmm. um, and so of course, it, you know, everything in South Louisiana comes to a standstill. Um, you know, all the all the folks from you know New Orleans come to Baton Rouge. I mean, it's it's craziness. And once FEMA got their shit together and, you know, kind of landed in town and set up shop, well, they needed to hire a ton of people. So here's all these FEMA jobs, which were paying, um, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just guessing here, you know, let's say $20 an hour. Um, and so when you had people making $8, $10, $12 an hour, um, they may still have been employed, you know, here in Baton Rouge. They weren't they weren't necessarily dislocated from their jobs, um, but we had numerous employees that quit to go work for FEMA to double their pay. Um, they knew it wasn't going to last forever, but the anticipation was these are going to last for a couple of years, and so they all went to go work for FEMA. Um, and and these were all sorts of jobs. These were office jobs. These were construction-type, maintenance-type jobs. I mean, everything was kind of under this FEMA umbrella. And people went. Uh, I mean, it was. I had HR friends that went, that quit their jobs and went to go work for FEMA because they were making a ton more money. And two, three years down the road, FEMA, you know, rolls up shop and, and leaves. Um, these people are back in the employment, you know, in the job seeker market, And then they kind of struggled because, well, three years working for FEMA, uh, I'm used to making twice what I was making. And so my lifestyle has adjusted to, you know, I've got a nicer car now and I maybe moved and I've got this and I've got these payments. And then they struggled coming back to what the rest of the market was playing. So there was this artificial bump in wages that happened for a while. Um, it certainly happened in New Orleans right after Katrina when Wendy's was paying $15 an hour, you know, 15 years ago. Um, but then, of course, that all settled down, and now they're back to poverty wages, basically, at those fast food places. But, um, you know, there'll, there'll be disruption in, in pay for some people. Um, and I think some of these folks that that will go to contract tracer jobs um, – you know, those aren't going to last forever, and then they're going to struggle coming back to something. Yeah, I think I think Robin, the 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 thing is, is with 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 folks that would take any of those types of jobs. So take a you know a job at Grubhub, take a job at, at Taco Bell, uh, contact tracing job, etc. You know, we we tend to kind of think about like what's that career, and I'm yeah. not sure I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that if you're when you're in that position. I remember, you know, when I was young, you know, when I moved from Pizza Hut to Albertsons, I don't, I don't remember it being a career. Like I don't think I'm, yeah. I don't even. Yeah, I was young and stupid and all that other stuff, but I don't, I don't remember it as a career. And I, I'm not sure. I think I think they look at it as an opportunity to increase, you know, their stead right now, yep, which. Yep. Yes, there might be ramifications down the road, but that's down the road. Like right now, yeah. if I can make two dollars more, well, and you know, two dollars more is, you know, kind of makes a difference. Yep. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't, really, I don't, I don't know if they look at it. Um, you know, I don't think I don't. 
I don't think anybody, myself included, looks at long term. Like what that idea, that stupid question that we used to ask, where are you going to be, where do you see yourself in five years? That was a dumb question to ask uh, and 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 to, and to answer, because really no one has a grand plan. Because we, I mean, just to prove the point, we all had grand plans <laughs> in November and December for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> one of the four of us that didn't have some plans sketched out on some paper somewhere, or you know, in a in a document, uh, a, di- a digital document somewhere about the things they wanted to achieve in 2020, um, right. and all that got scrapped. Right? Um, I think you know, pre-show Michael and I were talking about you now some of this stuff is linked together in really an interesting way that it it isn't just a recession. It isn't just a you know quarantine. It isn't just an election, you know, highly polarizing election year. And it isn't just racial injustice that we're seeing on TV. We're seeing all of it. And add yeah. some other things, by the way. That's just a that's just a short list of four four things. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these are tidal waves. And so the epiphany that I've I th- I think that I've kind of come to more recent than not is, you know, you, I'm gonna I'm gonna let people be people. Like I'm normally very judgmental, uh, as as y'all, y'all all know. <laughs> I, I can I can I can I can dole out a judgment pretty fast and uh, and uh, pretty harshly. But you know what? Some people are gonna take this out of this five six months this year whatever, and they're gonna thrive and they're gonna lose weight and they're gonna improve themselves and take courses at Harvard and, you know, whatever. And then there's going to be some people that are just going to just try to make it through the day and uh, try not to be as depressed as yesterday. And, you know, that's a big spectrum. But you know what? I've, I've kind of, I've kind of, kind of gotten to this place, at least in my mind, emotionally, that, you know what, do, do whatever you need to do to get through this, whatever it is. And if that, if that means not improving yourself, well, you know what? I'm not going to judge you on that. And if that means ju- – and, and, again, if you take a bunch – if you get your master's degrees from Harvard through this pandemic, I, I'll also not judge that. That's, that's cool. But if you just want to sit around and watch Netflix, that's cool too, like as a coping mechanism. Because, again, yeah. looking at all these things together, these are all tidal waves. And I mean, you we could we could have an entire show. We could have an entire, you know, <laughs> week of discussions on just racial injustice and what <laughs> we see on TV. Just <laughs> and, and and that would send the four of us into both a fit of rage and a state of depression simultaneously. So you know, we're we're I think we're working through some big things with uh, with just those four with those things. But I, and I think they're linked together. In ways. Yeah. Yep. Or, I mean, they they are, and everybody kind of has to have their own journey, and, and that's true inside and outside of the pandemic, right? You can put two people through a lot of the same cases, and they're going to have totally different lives. And we don't know everything that goes on in everybody's life, but what we do know mm-hmm. is that there's something that we're all sharing across the globe right now, and if that can't help us get a little bit of perspective and empathy, I I don't know what can. Like, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. This is this is the time, you know. If you never cared about empathy before, if you weren't good at empathy before, which, by the way, 
I, w- I am I am not a high empathy person, ironically, uh, and it's probably not sh- any shocking any of y'all. Uh, empathy is just not one of those things. I can I can do it when forced, but it's not natural to me. Hmm. Um, so I can I can put myself in someone else's you know perspective or shoes or whatever and and do that, but it's just not my. And you know we all know people that it's just their second that like it's a part of who they are. Even even I, you know, see how people are reacting and and being very you know not being very judgmental of again looking at uh, looking at the candidates coming back from this and basically what did you do with your time? How did you utilize your time? Like I've seen this thread many times uh, over the last four or five months uh, in different places. Like how did you utilize your time? Well, you know, I utilized my time watching Netflix. And, uh, not getting not getting addicted to pain medication. That's that's how I use my time. So you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, if we could be honest. The people who are like, sorry, if okay. ever the people who are like, you know, the best at everything that ask those questions. By the way, it's usually the person that's a good fifteen twenty pounds overweight. No judgment. I definitely am. Um, I've been sitting at home watching Netflix. Well, how did you use your time while you were unemployed? probably the same damn way you did. Like, just going to throw that out there. But that's not an acceptable answer. Why is that not an acceptable answer? I think it is. See, Crystal, I I think it is. I think you're right. I think it is an acceptable answer. I think it's an acceptable answer from a hiring manager, from a recruiter, from a sourcer, from a candidate, and from an executive. I did my best. I did what I needed to do to get through the things that I needed to get through. That's it. Like, and whatever that is, the, the four of us are probably cope. Just the four of us are coping with this in different ways and go to, in different days and different hours of the day. Like someone asked me earlier today, they're like, when you talk to recruiters today, what what do you get the sense of? And I said, well, three themes come, you know, come up generally. One is chaos. Like everything is, is just chaos. Two, uh, everything's been frozen. Like you know, the world that they knew is now frozen. And uh, okay, so then they don't know how to do that. And three, and or three, they're worried about getting fired. And by the way, those three things can happen to somebody in an hour. Not not, not just over the course of a week or a day. Like like in an hour, a recruiter or a hiring manager or a HR person. They can have those feelings all simultaneously. And so I think we've got to free ourselves up to let people, when this starts to kind of calm down, we've got to be able to not beat people over the head with either what they achieved or how they coped. However, that's kid's phrase, but basically, if again, if you, if you did your, if you were privileged enough, I'll use that word, that's loaded, <laughs> for all the, for all the Karens listening, um, <laughs> I think if, if you're privileged enough to get your MBA from Harvard at this particular moment, that's fantastic. Like, first of all, like, I'll raise a glass because that's, A, not easy, and congratulations. But it, equal to that, if you've got four kids and your parents are living with you and you could just basically make it through the day and, you know, drink a bottle of wine at night, and that's how you made it through. Equally, again, equally, in my opinion, equally impressive. You just 
Yep. You got to do at this point what you have to do to make it through um, all four of these, you know, all the hells that we're dealing with. <laughs> I agree. I think there's some balance to making sure that we don't use that. Like the things that we use to try to help us put ourselves in other people's shoes quite often become the things that we use to um, give tacit permission to something we maybe wanted to do or feel like we need to do to survive, get ahead, whatever. And, and so, and I'm thinking specifically about the 50 million marketing messages I get right now. So while I'm trying not to be judgmental of people, I am for real judging the people that are using all of this in order to hawk their products Oh, yeah. Get it and all of that stuff. So it's like, nah, that's, that's really not cool. I said it on a, a demo recently, and I won't say who with, but, you know, they were talking about all of the new features they had put in to help employees communicate via um, online platforms during COVID. That, like, that somehow, and it, the, the thing that caught me was like, so you can offer that instead of paying your employees. Like, not paying them to work, but the people that you furlough, right. like, you can give them instead of another couple weeks of pay or whatever. The couple weeks of pay you would have invested, you could give them this so they could stay connected through the entire pandemic. I'm like, are you out of your damn mind? Like, if you went yeah. to anybody, ever, anywhere, and said, do you want two weeks paid when you're about to not get paid for I don't know how long? Or do you want this tool that will allow you to communicate with all of the other people that are still working? Will anyone I... ever say, give me the tool? Well, it's it's the it's it you know tone deaf uh, on one level that 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 you know I've seen a lot of people make mistakes and and you know we're we're all kind of making lists of those folks. But I've also seen in business calls. So the four of us have business calls all all day long. You know we we get on phone Zoom or whatever. We get on calls with people. One of the things that I've loved about this period, which is going to be really weird for me to say, but for the first five or six, ten minutes, you're you're literally talking to them about them. How are you? Like Mike, when he first got on, or when I got first got on the call, he says, "How are you doing? How's your family? How's your wife? How's your kid? You know, like we're just talking about, you know, how are you doing? And then towards the end of the call, it's you know, stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, social distance, you know, don't go outside, you know, all that type of stuff. <laughs> and we get, and we do all this. The stuff at the beginning and ending of calls, these business calls that used to in December, they were very transactional. Like I would have had a 30-minute business call and really been done with it in 20 and wouldn't have done any of that stuff. And the, because of these, all of these tidal waves uh, that have kind of run to, uh, through to us, you know, it's, it's brought kind of a really interesting, I don't know if it's empathy or just kind of a, a way of not rushing to business that I've really liked. Yeah. But to to your to your point on the opposite end of the spectrum of people that are using this as a way to pitch, I think some of that is they don't know what to do. And I'll, and I'll give you an example from from uh, from Recruiting Daily, actually from us. So it's February, things start to kind of dry up. You know, we've got clients and and whatnot, like like everybody else. But things start to kind of dry up. And we made the decision, uh, Ryan and Noel and I, that basically we're not going to sell. <laughs> we're normally, you know, three guys that we're sending emails, we're talking to vendors, we're talking to practitioners, we're always, if you will, uh, selling 
on some level. Um, and we we just agreed, like, you know what? People don't need that shit right now. They just don't. They don't need that. What they need is for us to just be there if we if they need us. And uh, if they want to do something, great. They know our number. They know our email. It's not like my cell phone's changed in, you know, uh, 20 years. So, you know, if they need to get in touch with me, they know how to. But we're not going to sell. And we're still in that mode. I mean, even right now, we're not selling. We're just not, we're not actively, there's no active campaigns. There's none of that stuff going on. And I think that was a strategic decision to, to basically do that. Now, you take some software companies, and the pressure to do um, week-on-week revenue goals, month-on-month, quarter-on-quarter revenue goals, I think either they didn't have the discipline to then realize from a meta perspective that this isn't, this isn't the time nor the place, or right. they, were under that pre- they were under that privilege and uh, the pressure, and they bent to it. And they didn't work out like a really good strategy that says, okay, I don't, I don't necessarily want to talk, but I want to, I, I don't necessarily want to sell, but I want to talk and I want to listen. So how do I, you know, engage with people and talk with them and listen to what's going on and not sell? And I think, again, I, I, I look at leadership at any of those places that you got on your list, and I've got a list too. We should make a Google spreadsheet of those folks. Um, I look at leadership because that's where, for me, that's where it all comes from. It's not the, you know, junior account uh, account executive that's sending out those emails. They're doing that because either they were told to or there was a vacuum and they were told not to do it. So one of the sure. For sure. And I don't look at the salespeople as much as I look at the product people. Because yeah. if they're there pitching some sort of new feature, that didn't come from the junior salesperson. That that's came right. from the product people and the marketing people and the executives of the company. And that's the people I kind of look at and go, shame on you. Like, you don't capitalize on people's pain. I guess you got to survive. And trust me, I mean, like, the world rocked for us, too. We went $800,000 off of our revenue in a single week. I've never ever in my mm-hmm. life had to say that. Yep. But, and it, it hurts. Like, it's painful. Oh, yeah. And I, oh, to yeah. your point about, like, fluctuating emotions, like, I think I go from happy to scared to panic to holy crap and then calm, like, every single day, just if I haven't gone through that. The day's not done yet. But I, I believe yep. that we will all get through it. And to capitalize on the people that are not getting paychecks and the fear that HR may have about whether or not they're going to be considered redundant. Like that, that's gross to me. And I think that HR tech, I love, I love like what smart recruiters and you guys and Marin are doing to, um, to help recruiters find jobs mm-hmm. instead of like wa- helping them wallow in their pain. It's like helping them find hope. And I wish, and I hope that more companies focus that direction. Cause I think if you looked at, like I know Brazen lends their platform out to some companies or are offered to do so to be able to put together um, like meetings and, 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 you know, without causing any kind of pain to anybody. Uh, we looked at that, uh, Ryan looked at that for uh, potentially for a memorial for Chris. 
and mm-hmm. uh, embrace it like, yeah, whatever you need. Like, I want to see more of that. I want to see companies do yeah. more of that. And when they do that, I'd love for us to be able to celebrate them and say, this company did right by everybody. Well, it gets to an interesting point. Um, and this was early on in this, all these, all these things happening. I had, I wouldn't say it was epiphany. I've always had an ax to grind with uh, employer of choice awards. So I'll put my mm-hmm. biases out on the table, Bye, even though I've, I've won several. Um, I've always, I've always, you know, like, you know, the companies that market that great place to work and best place to work and all that shit. I don't believe any of, them. like, I'm so jaded. Right. I just don't believe any of that shit. And and so I started I started researching people that had done kind of early rounds of layoffs and then I ran a search against employer choice awards that they had won. And shocking, you know, ZipRecruiter, great example. They laid off forty two percent of their workforce in one day in, in Zoom call. And by the way, they're a great place to work. So yeah. one of one of one of two things is, is true. Either they're not a great place to work <laughs> as an exhibit A or or they actually are a great place to work. I am not sure which. I'm not sure which. I'm not going to judge them. That's not my, well, actually technically I am judging them. My point <laughs> is uh it's it's either you're a great place to work and you do it through actions. Not, not, not through the the awards that you know that you, that you uh, that you kind of like. Like I remember looking at uh, paychecks. Paychecks. Very early on, the chairman of paychecks came out and said, "We need to get back to work, and if it means that we need to lose a couple more lives, like this is when we had lost, I don't know, probably ten thousand lives." So you yeah. go back and look at this. This is very early on, and if we need to lose a couple more lives, the economy is more important. <laughs> so. Essentially, yeah. you know, not not taking a lot from this is essentially saying the economy is more important than human life. Money is more important than life. And then you go to paychecks. Literally, their website. There's an entire section of their website dedicated to all the employer cho- of choice awards that they've won through the years. So you've got the chairman. The person he's been there for forty years. He started the place. He's the chairman of the board and his value system is money is more important than people. Yet you've got another storyline that clearly that they have you know gone after and won these awards. So which is it? Like that's my struggle with those things is if if you really are an employer of choice award winner, and you really do kind of back it up with your values, you back it up through, through the tough times, then fantastic. Shit, touted from the highest mountains, like, great. But if you're not, then then don't. Or or change your actions and change your values to fit. So, yes. I uh, I, uh, I did a bunch of research around that, and yes, I do. It's, it's painfully clear to the three of you. I have an axe to grind with those awards in general, um, but this would be a, this would have been a wonderful time to actually back that up. Yeah. So where I work is one of those places, and they haven't had a layoff in about going on about eighty-seven years. See. So. Mm-hmm. That's the we're not, of choice. We're not perfect, 
but there are yeah. some that try. <laughs> I guess that's what I'll say. Well, you know, like I, I like the, and again, some of this is you see great examples too, right? So Carta, C A R T A, is a technology that helps you manage shares uh, in companies that you own. And uh, and their CEO, you should go look on the blog because it is really moving. Their CEO, they had to do a layoff, and uh, and their CEO said, "You're you're you're hiring your your boss." You know, came into my office. They made a list. I looked at all the lists. I approved every layoff. They fought for you, and I'm the one that failed you. Mm. They didn't fail you. I failed you. I personally failed you. Like, and it, it wasn't just, it wasn't shtick. Like, it was like when you read it, you're like, you know, you give several examples of like, you know, it was it was tough to think about because some of these folks have been here since the very beginning, et cetera. I made those decisions, and for the rest of your life, you're going to, and you should blame me because I should have had our company in a better position. And like like that type of leadership, yeah, I'm down with. Even though it's a layoff, and even though that it's tough, it's like hey, there wasn't a shirking of responsibility. It's like that's a person that said, stood up and said, you know what, <laughs> I should have had more cash on reserves. I should have already had a line of credit. I should have had a month, a year's worth of payroll in the bank. Like you know, that's a leader that basically says, this is on me. I, I, yes, it was all unforeseen. However, I should have been more prepared, and uh, I, I failed you, which, you know, that, I, you just got to have respect for people that just basically do that type of work. Like Publix, again, there's, there are some great examples of companies that are doing great things, like, like I was talking to some people at HEB, which is uh, yep. not like Publix, but in the, over, more over in Texas, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and and uh, and they 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 they've been hiring. They actually didn't go through a layoff. They went through the opposite. Right. They went through you know kind of. They had to gear up. Probably like y'all, they had to gear up with sanitation and, and you know sterilization and you know stocking all these different positions that you know in December he's a recruiter. Uh, in December they weren't thinking about like when they did their annual. <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they did their annual plan, the work they were going to do in 2020, <laughs> yeah. you know, adding 6,000 people was not, you know, that wasn't the bit. But we um, we onboarded 20,000 in between March, mid March and mid April. 20,000. Wow. That's congratulations. Uh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had to we had to change a few rules and bend the drug testing policy and some other things, you know, to kind of accommodate the quick ramp up, but. That's an interesting kind of, you know, we had we had always done the five panel or seven panel drug test, and you know, the, the, with the with the situation that was in front of us, questioned a little bit the the uh, cannabis rule, and at least for now, mm-hmm. that's been put off that's been put off to the side. You know, if someone comes up with that, that doesn't eliminate them from employment, um, and I think that'll, you know, I can't speak for the corporation, but it kind of looks like that'll be the way it roles going forward, you know, in industry in general, given all the changes, but it's, uh, this, this pandemic has definitely pushed old state companies to, to look at different things, like even as, as simple as that, which is, 
it's, it's funny. The other thing is the, there's a little bit of a dark side there. A lot of companies gave what they called hero pay or pandemic pay or hazard pay. You know, they bumped up their hourly rate for people in retail by two bucks an hour or whatever. And now they're starting to try to unwind that. And it's causing a lot of problems in, in terms of the morale of the workforce, as you might imagine. So some of those things are kind of short term, but hopefully it'll get itself sorted out. Yeah. yeah well, it'll sort out that, one way or another. Go ahead, Crystal. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, people are on to hear you. You go ahead. I hear me every day. <laughs> After 1,300 shows, I doubt seriously that they're going <laughs> 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 to hear me. But I think I it's 1,468 is what I think tonight is. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. yeah, in there. Yeah, bless you. You know, the, I think I think when people listen, they're really listening in to hear the four of us. Like, the four of us could easily yeah. be at a, at a conference, you know, some HR conference somewhere, you know, HR Florida, and uh, at a bar and, uh, you know, having drinks and just talking about the industry. I, I think that's, to me at least, I think that's what people listen to. They, they like that type of stuff because they want to hear mm-hmm. the four of us talk about, like, what's going on. So I appreciate the I appreciate being on. I appreciate talking to you. Um, I uh, yeah, we had a, I kind of feel like you go ahead. Kind of have a standing invitation. I feel like this part is because you have a standing open mic. I think here you make the show. You get to show up whenever you damn well feel like it. <laughs> well, technically, Brian Winton. Uh, you know, you give a shout out, and you know, we've had a lot of folks. I mean, yeah, bless his soul. Chris Fields was uh, he there for I think a year. He was our go-to when Brian and I were traveling. He was our he was our host. There was a there was a period yeah. it was before Nisa, and he was our was person. And me. I remember him. He made he made me upload a print song <laughs> as the intro music, and uh, and I never forget it because he sent me the thing and it was just the first you know twenty seconds or whatever. And uh, and it was just music, so we could probably get away with it, but not you know royalty free. Um, and uh, I uploaded it, and every show, if you go back and look, every show that he the hosted, he started with he started and ended with that music, like like you know. So we've had and yeah, we've had a bunch of great uh, people that have stepped in through the years. All of y'all uh-huh. clearly. But, I mean, there was periods where. Uh, you know, Dwayne stepped in and did a bunch of shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, just everyone. I mean, I think it's like a, it's it's like HR Carnival in a, in, in a way. It's it's like yeah. it's a community. It's it's become and it sh- probably should have always been like a community radio show. Like yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and so I like I like what y'all have done with it. I really appreciate uh, that y'all have you know taken something and continued on and done something fun for the three of you. A four of you with Dwayne and and yeah, he's been a sleep study or he'd be here. Do what now? I said he's had a sleep study or he'd be here too. Oh, bless him! I, I've been to two of those and uh, neither were fun because uh, I'd sleep I had severe sleep uh, in '05. <laughs> yeah. I, I had surgery and uh, soft palate, adenoids, tonsils, and then the deviated septum. <laughs> So no fun. So bless him. No, that is uh, no he is that that is not a fun bit. So bless him. 
it it is not, but uh, but I definitely appreciate it. Like I can't say anything because I'm sure I'm sore too. Like I'm, I'm sure most people sore, but um, but like I worry. Like he'll stop breathing and stuff. So I'm really glad he's going. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Now are y'all moving to? Are y'all moving up there? And you you you're getting rid of everything in no Yeah, so it's, it's a bit complicated. So his kids are in Missouri. So yes. he spends the majority of his time in Missouri. Um, my kids are grown, but uh, my daughter, one my youngest daughter is with my eldest daughter and her kids, which makes me feel crazy old, and I am not. Grandma. Um, Grandma. Yeah. No, 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 no. We don't use the G word. It's Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it with Nana. But, um, but so, uh, so somehow in my brain is different, but. And so they're in Texas, and so, you know, my parents are in Texas, my family's in Texas, and so I spend them, and my business is in Texas, so I spend the majority of my time in Texas. Um, like, we've, we've got to figure down to, like, the number of days, right? So uh, we have a house in Texas, and we, we have a house in Missouri. So um, the house in Missouri was really cool, uh, like, over 100 years old and historic and charming and making me crazy sick. Um, and it had a ton of updates. So nobody tells you when you get an old home that it's going to be like the most expensive thing you ever do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Money pit. Money pit. Oh, my God. And it never ends, by the way. You can fix something no. and then a week later. Yeah, never ends. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what we were running into. Yeah. And um, there was that we had it inspected um, because we decided we leased it before we were going to buy it. And um, had a contract to buy it, put a ton of money down on it. And, kind of like a you don't buy it you walk away from the money right but when the the amount to fix it is several times more than the money mm-hmm. you put down you walk away mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep i house is gorgeous the owner really didn't want to leave it to begin with so she's going to move back into it i think but um it all worked out so we're moving to a newer house that has like warranties on everything <laughs> <laughs> we will never have to Deal that with that again. Hopefully, knock on wood. But um, but it's interesting in Missouri. Like it's nothing like Texas. Like we have the basements and the uh, they don't use well, they don't do fences really. Um, it's like not so much a thing here. It's kind of weird. Like we actually oh, I want to put up a fence for my dog, and, and people kind of look at you like why? They just yeah. want on the ground. Here <laughs> <laughs> you put that fence up. It's a ten foot fence. Board on board. Right. <laughs> might, right. Might, might have a wire at the top of it. <laughs> right. Like my objective is to never see anybody other than my people, right? But, I, got uh, but that's I, got, I got a question about this. This has actually been on my mind, and I know you are going to think how obtuse this is, but whilst we have the time together, which way should a fence face? This is like the toilet paper roll question, like which mm-hmm. way should the paper face? Okay, so you've got the slats, you've got the outside of a fence, the, you know, the boards, and then you've got the inside. Um, which way should it face out to your neighbors? The fence company told me if you're paying for it, the flat side faces you. And I got really frustrated because, not, not here in Texas, and I got really frustrated because I wanted the sides with the boards facing towards me so I could use it as like a, you know, redneck trellis or whatever. Um, right. and so, and so I was like, well, can I put it the other way anyway? But evidently most people want the flat side towards them. So if you're paying for it, it goes towards you. But what happens when you have it? You get like half okay. the flat side and the other half. 
So, so, so here's the, and again, I, I don't know the right answer. There, I'm sure somebody, there's a scientist that's in a PhD on this. There's, there's a dissertation out there. We'll find it. Someone studied this. I have trouble with that, like the better, the beautiful part of the fence facing inward because you've essentially created a ladder for anyone that wants to, to come into your into your backyard. Oh, right? you're right. Right. So you've, like, if we were uh, 200 years ago building forts somewhere in the Midwest or, or in the West, we would not build a fort with a built-in ladder. Right, we would we would face the outside with nothing but straight up and down, very hard to get up and down that that four picket fence or whatever. But like when I drive around my neighborhood, it's half and half. It's fifty percent. Half of them have it facing inward because they want to see the the beautiful part face them. So that's what they want to see. That's what they paid for. And then half of them have it the other way. It's faced out. It's beautiful facing out. None is beautiful facing in. My mom and dad being a rare breed, they did board on board on both sides. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that's taking it to another level. That's you that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's a step up in the game right there. But they did mm-hmm. board on board so there's no there's no ladder either way. So it's beautiful on the inside and it's beautiful on the outside. But then again they're in their eighties, you know, they they could do stuff like that. But Robin, do you gotta you gotta take care with where the fits goes? I no, I was gonna say I like the double sided concept. I've seen a lot of those. Uh, yeah. but what we uh we've got ours, we've got the nice size facing out. We let our neighbors we, see it. That's what we did. We did yeah. we did my wife wanted it facing in and I and I came at her with the uh why would we build a ladder <laughs> for the people that Jump over because back in the day when I was young, which again pre pre iPhone, uh, thank God, um, or pre TikTok or Snapchat or anything else, um, we would jump we would we would jump over into neighbors' pools when they were at work. And I don't know how the how much oh, y'all uh-huh. did, but like <laughs> we would know that they were leaving. They had a pool, and we would just jump over the fence and use the pool for yep. the day. <laughs> right? Yeah. No big deal. Like that's just like that was a normal part of something. I just I can't imagine that being done today. Uh, or not you know, not on as not as much as it was back then. But like those were the fences I remember because you could scale them. There was a there was literally like three steps and you jump over and you're you're in the person's backyard. So See now there's a false <laughs> sense of having the a fence though. Uh, because I um, I always kind of figure our backyard is our little kingdom. I go out in my pajamas. I go out kind of half dressed, and um, I don't know. In the fall, one one day in the fall, I went out in the backyard, took the dogs out in the morning, and I um, literally was half dressed. I had my pajama pants on, but I had no top on. And oh, nice. thinking the fence is protecting me, but my neighbor was pruning a tree and um, was up in the tree. And I walked out and greeted him in all my glory. Yeah. Well, at that point, you know, at that point, Robin, you just got to own it. You just got to say, Exactly. Hey. 
Carly, how you doing? You having a good day? What are you you're gonna be trimming all day? Good. Get <laughs> you some lemonade. All right. Yep. Talk to you later. Like at that point you just gotta act like it's normal. You know, fucking Exactly. You know, we're here now. There's nothing I can do. Uh I I don't I don't know because you all do as many Zoom calls and webinar calls and stuff like that as I do. Do you wonder if people wear pants as much as I do? Like during those calls, okay. right? Yes. Like that's just in my head. Like many, many of them are not. That's what I'm thinking, right? That's what I'm thinking. I think I'm thinking there's no way that they're, that they're wearing like legit pants or, or whatever. They might be with it, you know. But there's just no way. And even if there's no video on, I'm still thinking about it. Like I'm like, yeah. are these wearing, are these people wearing pants? Wearing there pants? was a. Yoga uh, pants? There was a for real newsman, young guy that started his career a couple weeks ago who did exactly that. He had on a jacket, sports sports coat, tie, dress shirt, no pants. And somehow they pulled back the shot and he was sitting there with his bare legs and his underpants <laughs> and um, got out into like on NBC morning news or something. So yeah. Did they did he have shoes on? I don't know. They didn't get that far down. <laughs> I mean, that would be strange for me. If you got socks and shoes and you're not and you're dressed in the waist up, that would be weird. I can't support that. But like if you're barefoot, you know, and uh, and again, people want to turn on video. It's for again, a lot of us have worked virtually for a long time. Um, you know, it's not it's not new, but like my wife and both both sons went to distance learning and also uh, Michael went to work from work from home all in the same week, right? So now all of them are on Zoom calls at the same time I'm on Zoom calls. So we're all on Zoom calls, right? So, so I, I was basically running IT support for about a week, which was fun. Um, but, you know, they, but it's, it's one of those deals. It's like everyone's on Zoom. Everyone's on GoToWebinar. Everyone's on these, on these applications. And the thing is, is like the newness, which is actually kind of a fascinating thing. Like the people that haven't had as much experience as the four of us have had, it, they want to turn on video. Like yeah. I, I oh, get yeah. On and like they've got their video on. I'm like, yeah, I'm not turning on video. Huh. So, so, and, and it's not to be off putting. It's just like, yeah, I haven't brushed my hair in like two weeks. So, yeah, that's not going to happen. So, anyhow, we're here to talk. Not, you, you can leave your video on. You did legit do your video for the Smart Recruiters webinar. I felt bad. I did not. I was like, nobody wants to see me and my crazy bruise from my twin and my, my crazy hair. I'm going to just spare you all. I think, but you were not. You were great. Uh, was, was I wearing a jacket? I don't think so. <laughs> and no I, pants. I was fixed by your hair. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I brushed my hair then. So we're good there. The, the one, I think it was for People Hum. We were doing a, a thing on... Uh, the future of work, which I'm like, the future of work, like like any of us really know what the future of work looks like. That's, that's just crazy notion in and of itself. But uh, I think I wore a, uh, I, I was shocked because Averbrook was on it and some other people were on it. And I, and I was like, you know what? It would be shocking for me to draw, show up with a suit and tie. Let me just kind of, <laughs> let, me just, let me just bust that out and see what see what people think. And uh, and it was it was shocking. Like I wrote during pre-show, he looked at me. He's like, "What in the hell are you doing?" Like he's wearing just a golf shirt. And I'm like, 
well, I just wanted for once in my life, I wanted to outdress you. Just once. You know, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm done with it after this. Don't worry. I'll put it, I'll put it back in the closet. But, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I wouldn't worry too much about the what you wear on Zoom. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Um, no. But not only that, but just the automatic assumption that you're going to have, because you're using a conference call technology, that you're automatically going to have video. It's like, I have no, no, this is an audio call. We're just, we're just calling. We could, we could actually just call each other on cell if you want. It's cool. Um, I wouldn't turn on video either. Um, but this has been fun, yeah. y'all. I appreciate it. And again, mm-hmm. it's just nice to hear your voices. It is. Yeah, likewise. Before- we, we have three and a half minutes left. Go ahead, Robin. Oh. No, I'm done. I just said it as me. <laughs> Before we go, I don't even know. What do y'all think? I like it would be dumb to not ask this question, and I have it because I just I'm dying to. Dumb of me. Um, Twitter, Trump, the thing. Yeah, sure. I have That's to what ask. I, was just ask William, about. I want to know what you think. <laughs> well, uh, it's ludicrous. Uh, we'll just start with the obvious. Um, you know, this is this is. I mean, it's one of those deals. It's an IQ test. I used to tell people legalization of marijuana was an IQ test that you could just kind of tell where they were on the spectrum of of, uh, of IQ just based on their position on legalizing marijuana. Um, Trump's kind of an IQ test too. Uh, if you're a hard, hardcore Trump supporter, you're you're below a hundred. That's that's just a, it is what it is. Like people can fucking unfollow me or unfriend me. I don't give a shit. But the, you're just you're you're in the depths of uh, you. I think mentally retarded is sixty. You're 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 closer to that than you are uh, Mensa. So uh, again, kind of one of those deals. He's he brought out the worst of everything that is American. Everything that we love. Yep. It's not only going to go down as the worst president in history, he might go down as technically the worst leader ever. And uh, I don't see a path for him being elected. Um, I, I, and, and again, I, I, I say this, and I'm not, I, ironically, I'm not a liberal. Uh, I'm, not, I'm more conservative than I am a liberal. But uh, this is one of those deals where it's like you can't have four more years of this asshole, period. Uh, the fact yeah, that he didn't prove it, I mean, like, you can go back to when he was elected and then a shock that we all woke up to, or most of us woke up to, the day after. Okay. The fact that he didn't turn over his Twitter account, right there was the first message. That's what we should mm-hmm. have, right there was the moment we should have learned that he's not going to be a president. He's going to be Donald Trump, and he cares about Donald Trump and only Donald Trump. So Twitter suits his interests when he uses it to spread all kinds of malicious, stupid bullshit for stupid people. And when Twitter actually, you know, confronts that, um, and then, then, then he's not so, none, now he's not bullish on Twitter, albeit he used Twitter all day today. So again, mm-hmm. one of the things yeah. is like, I'm, I'm going to legislate, you can't do that with a with a, with a publicly traded company. I mean, you can you can use the IRS, you can do things, you could do other kinds of other governmental shit to Twitter, 
but quite frankly, it's too tied. It's too tied right now to free press, the actual First Amendment, where I don't think he's going to be able to do anything with Twitter. So he's in really a quandary. He should have just had to let it go and just yeah. not pick the battle is really what he should have done and just use Twitter for what he wanted to use. If they want to label it as whatever the fuck they want to label it, his, his, the reason he won, one of the reasons he won in 16 is he got people to talk about him because he would just do outrageous shit every day. And Twitter was a lot of that. So he should have, he, he should have the rule book that he, that he used, the playbook that he used to get elected in 16 is what he should have used yesterday is not, 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 not fighting Twitter, but actually instigating shit on Twitter. Which gets people, you know, CNN, I haven't looked at it tonight, but CNN, there'll be five hours of nothing but Trump talk the whole time. Same thing. Five hours of Trump talk. So he's winning when it comes to that. But, but Crystal, could he do something to Twitter? You know, I don't want to underestimate because there's a bunch of fucking stupid people out there. So, yes, he could. But I don't think he. I don't think he. I don't think he'll get to that point. Okay. Well, here's hoping. And here's awesome. hoping you're right about the election. Here is the point. Here we are in the after show. So, William, thanks a lot for joining us. It was great to catch up with you and have you back on Drive Through HR. Uh, Robin, Crystal, great conversation. We didn't touch on but two of the topics I had listed out. So. It, this was exactly the show I hoped for. <laughs> anyway, we're go ahead and end the episode, and y'all take care and stay safe. All right? Absolutely. Good Ciao, time. everybody. Bye. All right. Take care, y'all. Love you. Love you, too, man. Be safe. Same here. <laughs>